everybody. Welcome to the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. I am your host, David Vignola, and this week we're going to talk about three tips to getting a great sounding bass to sit in your mix. If you struggle with getting the bass to sound good in your mix, and this podcast is for you. We're also going to answer a couple of questions from this week's mailbag. And then at the end of the show, I'm going to give you a couple of free gifts. So not only make sure you like, subscribe, and leave a fabulous review on this podcast, but make sure you stick around to the end of the episode because I want to give you a couple of free gifts. It's my way of saying thank you for sticking around and listening to this episode. So now let's talk about three great tips to getting a great sounding bass in your mix right here on the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. Okay, welcome everyone. This is episode three. And if you've been sticking around and been listening to episode one, two, and you've come back for episode three, I want to first say, first and foremost, thank you very much for giving this podcast a chance. We're brand new here. And every week I'm trying to make the episodes better and better. So I hope you're enjoying them thus far. And don't forget to leave a nice review um, on your podcast, uh, wherever you're consuming this podcast, leave a nice review. Give me the old thumbs up, like, and subscribe. I would really appreciate it. So now let's talk about the three tips to getting a great bass sound in your mix. So if you've ever struggled with getting your bass and your mix to sit consistently where things don't sound too muddy, they don't sound too boomy, they don't sound too thin, or they just don't cut through the mix, if you have these problems from time to time, and we've all had them at one point or another, then these three tips I think are going to point you in the right direction. Now, there are many more than three that we can talk about, but these are three that I find that work more times than not. So the first tip, tip number one, is don't be afraid to use a small amount of distortion and or chorus on your bass track to help it cut through the mix especially distortion. So you could do this one of two ways. You can have your original bass track and you can use a, a, a distortion plugin on your bass track itself. Um, you can use a stock distortion plugin if your DAW comes with one, or there are a couple of uh, third-party ones I really enjoy. Uh, in particular would be the um, Devil Locks Deluxe by the company Sound Toys, as well as the Decapitator by Sound Toys are two of my favorites. But again, you can really use any old distortion plugin. You can just put it right as the first insert on your own. Um, bass track. You can try that. Or you can copy your bass track and make a duplicate track and you can put it on that track and maybe do it a little bit heavier and then you can blend the two faders between the two tracks together to give you the appropriate amount of distortion that you need to get it to cut through. Now again, doing it in solo so you can hear the distortion is one thing, but you always want to do this in the context of the mix. You'll find a little bit of a distortion will go a long way. Even in styles of music where you wouldn't think a gritty sounding bass would really be appropriate, you want to make it so it isn't really obvious that the bass is quote unquote distorted, but it just helps it give it that little bit of crispiness on the top end frequencies to get it to cut through the mix so try that another thing you can also try as i said is you can send that bass track to a chorus effect as well again a little bit of chorus will thicken it up a little bit and that'll get it to if you have a real thin sounding bass in particularly that will help it um, not only cut through the mix but give it a little bit fatter sound a little bit thicker sound or you can use distortion and chorus together so try small amounts of distortion small amounts of chorusing either on the original track or copy and paste the track and duplicate the track and try it that way. That will really help. You'd be surprised how a little will go a long way. Tip number two is a little bit more of an advanced technique and really have to be able to understand and have tuned your ear into using a compressor. But if you have done that and you um, are good with a compressor, then play a lot with 
the attack settings on a compressor. Okay, and you may say, well, what do you mean by that? So if your bass track sounds a little too, um, a little too, um, or, or lacks, I should say, if your bass track lacks some punch, then go with a slower attack on your compressor. The slower attack is gonna allow that first transient to pop through the mix a little bit more. And usually the one count of, you know, in musical, you know, in musical speak on the one is usually where that, where that bass note kind of pops through a lot and really gets the thing to sit nicely. So by using a slower attack, you're gonna let the transient squeeze through a little bit more. It's gonna give the bass a little bit thicker sound, has gonna have a little bit more punch and it's gonna cut through a little bit more. Now, conversely, if the bass is too boomy or if the one is poking through way too much, then you may wanna use a faster attack and that's gonna clamp down on that transient a little bit more aggressively. Therefore, it's gonna soften the bass a little bit and it's gonna get it to sit back a little bit in the mix and it's not gonna be so in your face. So by using attack time on a compressor, you can really change the way the bass kind of sounds. And again, I always say on a bass, especially especially if the bass player is playing with their fingers and not a pick, or unless they're, um, if they're, if they're a real pro player and can play super consistently, that's great. But a lot of bass players cannot do that. And so therefore the one count is always the note that kind of sticks through and kind of jumps out at you. And it could be very boomy, very annoying, very distracting. So using attack times on a compressor is gonna help it make the bass sit a little bit better in the mix. So try that. And if you're struggling to hear compression, and you say, Dave, no matter how much I turn that attack setting, I really don't hear much of a difference and you just struggle with the whole concept of compression, then I would highly recommend you check out the course at homerecordingmadeeasy.com called Compression Made Easy. I'll leave a link in the description box below in the show notes so you can check that out. That's great for beginners and intermediates that struggle with the whole concept of compression and most importantly, how to hear compression and what to listen for. And that will really help you when you try to add this, uh, this uh, little uh, tip here using the attack settings on your bass. Understanding and being able to hear compression um, is, is a key factor in all of that, okay? So compression made easy again. Link will be in the show notes below. And the last tip I have is don't be af uh, afraid to be aggressive with EQ on a bass, which is a little bit uh, counterintuitive to what I normally teach with EQ. I always talk about doing things subtle, doing things in a very gentle way. Don't do any major cuts or boosts. You typically don't need to do that. You don't wanna make things sound too harsh or too boomy or too thin or too muddy. Be more gentle with EQ curves in general. But on a bass guitar, you can uh, be really aggressive with an EQ to get it to sit right and cut through the mix. I mean, there's been times where I've gone ahead and I've cut and did massive cuts at the 250 hertz range to uh, to get things to not sound so boomy or so muddy or have that really weird ringing out frequency. And at the same time, I would boost 700 hertz or 1K to get the fingers to kind of pop more so I could hear the bass a little bit more in the mix. So don't be afraid to be aggressive with EQ, but here's the caveat. You wanna make sure you do that while you're listening to the entire mix. So you do that within the context of a mix. And we've talked about that. Uh, on the Home Recording Made Easy uh, YouTube channel for years and years, and I've already mentioned it a couple of times in the last couple of podcast episodes, you want to do things in the context of a mix as much as possible. And when you're doing that with your EQ and you're making some of these aggressive moves, you could get that bass to sit just perfectly in the mix. And it really all depends on how the bass was recorded, how all the other instruments were recorded around it, what style of music, and how it all kind of fits together as a puzzle. So again, don't be afraid to be aggressive with EQ, but always do it in the context of a mix. And that'll also help you get that 
bass track to sit nice in your mix. So those are three tips uh, that you can try right away. And a lot of times that'll solve most of your problems. And again, in future episodes, we may talk about some more things that you can try, but those are three that I use all the time. And I'd say probably 85% of the time, 90% of the time, it gets the bass to sit right where I want it. So now I want to take us on over to our next segment that I call the mailbag. Let's answer a couple of questions that came in last week. So let's jump on into the mailbag. Okay, on this week's mailbag segment, we're going to answer two questions. The first question comes in from Shane Codwell. Shane, how are you? Thanks for writing in. He writes in, hey, Dave, what is your opinion on using bass amp SIM plugins? Do you feel it's better to mic a real amp cab or use a plugin? Just curious on your thoughts. Thanks, Shane. Well, Shane, thank you for writing in. You know, um, bass amp SIM simulator plugins, you know, VST bass plugins, I think are great. I mean, um, unlike guitar amp SIM plugins, which is only a few that I really think that are great that sound real enough that it can maybe replace a real guitar amp. We'll talk about that in a future episode here. But for bass cabinets and bass amps in general, I find a lot of them are very good. I mean, I use the Universal Audio bass plugins. They're, they're great. I've used the SoftTube stuff. I've used um, the bass amp SIMs um, from Brainworks and Plugin Alliance, and I'm sure there are others. And actually, I've even used the Bass Amp Sim uh, plugin Ampire in the PreSonus Studio One uh, DAW, and their bass preset sounds great too. So I'm not opposed to, um, to, to, to Bass Amp Sim plugins. I think they sound great. You'll have to just do some experimentation. Miking a real amp is great as well. It's a lot more involved, um, but depending on the amp in the cabinet, um, that could be a great way too. And then sometimes I've used the real mic and I've also used the DI track where maybe we just plugged the, um, the bass directly into the uh, into the console and recorded it that way with no SIM plug-in and no bass amp and use that as well and blended the two tracks together. So there are several ways to do it. But the short answer is, I think bass amp SIM plugins are just fine. They sound very, very realistic. Um, go out and demo a few of them and and um, see what you like, but I think they're great. So I wouldn't hesitate to use them and I use them all the time. So thanks so much, Shane, for writing in. Question number two comes from Richard and Richard writes in, um, hi, Dave, if you're going to mic up a bass amp, what mic would you recommend? I've heard that using a kick drum mic is the way to go, but I thought I would ask your opinion. Thanks, Richard. Richard, thank you so much for writing in. Yeah, um, usually I would say use like a kick drum mic, something like an Audix, um, what's a D112? or the Shure Beta 52 is another great one. Um, those are tend to be made to accept the real low end frequencies that like a kick drum and like a bass guitar will kind of uh, will kind of pump out. So that's always good. You won't distort the capsule nearly as easily. And then again, I've also mic'd up a bass cab with an SM57. We talked a little bit earlier about in this episode about how to get the bass to cut through the mix. And if you want some of that crispiness on the top to get it to poke through, you'll use a distortion plugin. Well, sometimes using an SM57 dynamic microphone and the bass cab will give you some of that little gnarly sound that you can use to blend with maybe a DI track or even blend with a bass amp sim plugin like we talked about a few minutes ago. And the blending of those two things will give you just enough of the low end and some of that nasty, not nasty, but that sizzle stuff on the top end to get the bass to cut through the mix. So yeah, I would experiment, but I would say generally speaking, I would use a kick drum mic or like a floor tom mic, something like that, like the Audix D2 comes to mind as well. 
Um, those are microphones that I would check out uh, as well. And that's how I would typically do it. But don't be afraid to experiment um, because, you know, you never know what kind of sounds you can, what you can get. And the more options you have in mixing in that respect, especially with bass guitar, I find the better. So thank you so much, Richard, for writing in. And that is it for this week's mailbag segment. So now you've listened to the whole episode and I so appreciate you've listened to the entire episode. And I want to give you a couple of free gifts. Now, first and foremost... I'd love for you to do me a favor, wherever you're consuming and listening to this podcast, if you give me the thumbs up and give me a nice, uh, you know, excellent review or five-star review, I would really appreciate it. It really helps me. If you're enjoying this podcast on any level and you're getting some valuable information, any positive feedback you can give me would be great. Also, I'd love to know what your ideas are for future show episodes, so make sure you comment um, and let me know as well. That would be fantastic. So make sure you subscribe, make sure you like, and give me a review if you would. Now, if this is your first time here at Home Recording Made Easy Podcast and you don't know what Home Recording Made Easy is, I want to welcome you to the homerecordingmadeeasy.com family and I want to give you a gift. I want to give you five free mixing training courses worth about $200 over at homerecordingmadeeasy.com. Again, all the links will be in the description box below in the show notes. Go to homerecordingmadeeasy.com right on the homepage. There's a big orange button. You can't miss it. Get your five free courses, click on that button, get your five free courses. You can learn uh, how to mix, get all the audio files and all the training videos. It's a really cool thing. Go get it today. Five free mixing training courses. Now, I also want to give you a coupon code because you listen to this entire podcast episode, and I greatly appreciate it. The coupon code is PODCAST30. Again, it'll be in the show notes below. PODCAST30. You can use that at checkout and get any course at homerecordingmadeeasy.com at 30% off. Okay, one time 30% discount on any course. If you want to check out Compression Made Easy, as I mentioned a little earlier in this episode, that's on homerecordingmadeeasy.com. Use PODCAST30. Get 30% off today. And last but certainly not least, if you really enjoy the craft of mixing, we're talking about mixing bass this week. We've talked about a couple of mixing uh, techniques in the podcast thus far and you really enjoy the craft of mixing, and you want to learn mixing, you want to dive down deep into the details, and you want to get the best mixes possible out of your music in your home studio, then I invite you to check out what I have going on over at MixingMadeEasy.net. Once again, the links will be in the show notes below. Check out MixingMadeEasy.net. It's a mixing membership website where every month we get a new song, you get all the audio files, and you get between four and six hours of video training, and you watch me mix a song from start to finish in real time, and you get to mix the song along with me. We do different styles of music. We use different plugins, different mixing concepts and techniques every single month. And the best thing about it, it'll cost you less than 50 cents a day. What? 50 cents a day. Less than a small cup of coffee every single day, you will be able to take your mixes from demo to pro level in less than six months time if you apply the training, I absolutely guarantee it. So check out mixingmadeeasy.net. So once again, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, I look forward to seeing you next week so we could talk about everything studio gear related, mixing, mastering, recording, so on and so forth. And until next week, I've been Dave with homerecordingmadeeasy.com and mixingmadeeasy.net. Thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next week. Take care. <laughs>